Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. In the grand narrative of human history, most of us go through life hoping to make a lasting impression, only to find our stories quickly fading into the shadows of time. We all aspire to leave a legacy, but more often than not, we're merely passing whispers in the annals of history, barely remembered beyond a couple of generations. But as history has shown, there are those exceptional few who manage to etch their names in the bedrock of time, leaving a legacy that resonates for centuries. Among these towering figures is a man whose impact on the world was so profound that it's still felt today. He didn't just build an empire. He created the largest contiguous empire the world has ever seen, stretching from the vast steppes of Asia to the heart of Europe. But his legacy doesn't stop at territorial conquests. This man's personal life was as prolific as his military campaigns. With a penchant for, let's say, extensive fatherhood, he fathered so many children that an astonishing 16 million men today carry his genetic footprint. We're delving into the life of none other than Genghis Khan. So crawl out of that yurt, Jump on that horse and prepare yourself for an enthralling journey through the life of a man whose influence reshaped the world's political and genetic landscape on this episode of Asshole Court. It is indeed a pleasure to introduce to you the gentleman we picked up in medieval Mongolia in the year 1269. This is a dude who 700 years ago totally ravaged China and who we are told two hours ago totally ravaged Oshman Sporting Goods. Please welcome the very excellent barbarian, Mr. Genghis Khan! All right, so before we get into preliminary scores on Genghis Khan... You know, I looked for somebody that recommended the show. I could not find him. Seriously, we haven't had a Genghis Khan. I looked in the I looked in the the spreadsheet that we keep, and it uh, was there's nobody there. But I I mean, somebody has asked for this. I feel like somebody's had to have asked for this over yeah. the years, but maybe it's just somebody we've talked about. You know what? Might be one of those we swung and missed on. It probably <laughs> is. We've been getting really good at that lately. So <laughs> whoever did tell us uh, Genghis Khan or Genghis Khan, I don't know which. I'm going with Genghis Khan. I prefer the way it sounds. Genghis? When did yeah, that a, become a thing? That's a, I don't know. Is it an alternate pronunciation, maybe? Yeah, I actually, when I was driving out of Florida this weekend, I was listening to an uh, Audible book by Dan Carlin, and he was talking about, it's called The End is Always Near, and it's about like uh, human history and all the times we've almost like taken ourselves out, and sure enough, he was calling it Genghis Khan the whole time, and I was like, I disagree. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted mm. Theodore Logan Yes, from uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, yeah. and they called him Genghis Khan exactly. when they brought him back. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with Genghis. 
Genghis, and it'll always be Socrates and Beef Oven. I was about to say, they're going with Socrates and Beef Oven as <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> so I don't know if Genghis is right after all these years. That's right. On I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Uh, so anyways, like I said, uh, if you've requested this, uh, feel free to hit us up and tell us we're an idiot, and we'll hit you up on the next show and That's say right. we're sorry. So beyond that, I guess we get into From the Inbox. Yeah, so From the Inbox, we got a new review post-Thanksgiving, and this one came from a person named Golden Dude. I like him already. Yeah. Great name. And honestly, shit, you're going to like him even more. It was a five-star review, and the title of it was called My Favorite Podcast. My Podcast. Yes. And it says, all you negative reviewers, why even bother? Is it some sort of petty juvenile, if I don't like it, nobody should urge all you have? If you don't like it, move on. I agree. There it is. My man. Golden dude. Golden, golden. dude. Shouting out golden facts. I love it. That's right. Yeah, that's I right. I kept wanting to call him the golden child, but that was that movie with Eddie Murphy from the 80s. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good... <laughs> All right. Excellent. All right. Well, do we have any other stuff from the inbox, or are we uh, ready to go with prelim scores? We did get a cool comment uh, from one of our most loyal oh, yeah. and honestly dedicated fans. His name is Important Fancy Man. Hey! An Important Fancy Man left a uh, reply to our Kurt Cobain post, and uh, I think it's in reference to the conversation we had leading up or in that show yeah. about some of the comments we had gotten and we couldn't really decipher about masturbating and taking a shit. So he just combined them, and he said, I masturbated and took a shit to this episode. Yeah. So that is on the Kurt Cobain episode. I'm excited <laughs> for everybody to start telling us about the bodily functions that have occurred <laughs> while they listen to our shows. All right, well, that's uh, that's all for now. All right, that's from the inbox. Let's go ahead and get to preliminary scores on our boy Genghis Khan. Who wants to go first? Yeah. All right, Randy, what you got? You going first. All right, so you kind of alluded to it, buddy. The extent of my knowledge of Genghis Khan comes from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Obviously, you learn about him in school, the far-reaching empire that he had. You know, <laughs> I like to think that what I saw in that movie is true. Where He's he, a hell of a skateboarder. Yeah, yeah dude, it, he did the backflip onto yeah. that skateboard. I, I'm thinking more like the barbaric type stuff where he's yeah. beating the heads off the dummies and Dick's oh, Sporting yeah. Goods. And oh, yeah, yeah, He got yeah. a hold of a really nice aluminum Easton and took <laughs> yeah. that fucking head clean off. So that's how I like to envision it, but I'm sure he was probably a really fucking ugly dude. But he, um, man, his reign of power and terror was hadn't been matched, like, ever, I don't mm-hmm. think. So um, to get to that point, I can't imagine the number of people he had to kill. Yeah. <laughs> like, personally. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah I mean? like, exactly. I bet he personally killed a lot of people. Yeah, he wasn't just sitting the orders out, right, like, mob right. boss style. Yeah, not Hitler. But, you know, I, when I was looking at the scale and trying to think of where to put him, the name, one name that kept popping up was Shia LaBeouf. And, oh, wow. Uh, I'm, t- I'm totally kidding. Shia LaBeouf killed a bunch of dogs. <laughs> he did kill a couple dogs. That's I was, right. It, I was just trying to get into character. Yeah, right. Right. You know. that's right. So, kind of looking at him, he's worse than our cult leaders, I think, and Jim Jones and David Koresh. Ah, man. I'm going to go pre-show like 9.52. 9.52. 9.52. For Genghis Khan, for Randy. That's right. All right, buddy, what you got? All right. So, for me, um, Genghis Khan, yeah, I I remember him from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and, you know, I've... I've read The Art of War, like I haven't probably read it about 15 years ago, and I'm sure there was a couple of nuggets of wisdom from Genghis Khan in there. Um, but, you know, I, I just really, I, I remember studying about him maybe like in 6th, 7th, 8th grade, something like that. They never really cover him enough. No, they don't. They, yeah. don't. they definitely don't. No. 
I mean, like, I think that we covered uh, Alexander the Great and the Roman Empire way more. Especially when we were going through school, there was definitely a slant towards, like, Western civilization. Mm -hmm. So you just never, you're like, hey, this guy, like, did a bunch of shit. Same thing with, like, Mao Zedong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never really talked about it, but I remember I had to do a paper on somebody, and I picked him for some reason. Chairman Mao? Chairman Mao. I bet I know why, because his tattoo was on Mike Tyson's arm, and you might have been like, who is that guy? (laughs) But I remember doing the, it was in seventh grade, and I remember doing the research paper, and I was like, this guy's fucked up. Why don't we know more about him? Yeah. And, yeah, that's kind of that gist. It's so wild, too, with Mao Zedong, because, like, he, a lot of people died because of him, but a lot of it was just, like, sort of ineptitude. Like, he was like, hey, everybody, let's kill all these swallows so they'll stop eating all the... The like the bugs in our fields and stuff like that, but it created this massive wave of like famine and stuff like that where you just can't. Hey, hey, everyone's industrialized. I need you to stop being farmers and start trying to uh, smelt iron in your backyard. <laughs> well, it didn't work out very Not well. So, so much. No, sounding like the Doctor Evil of bad guys, right yeah, there, or just, something like yeah, that. Yeah, just kind of bumbling. I mean, I, that wouldn't be fair to say, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but for me, I, I don't remember really reading a lot about him, and I just really haven't done any research on him. Uh, and even leading up to the show, I was like, I could do a deep dive, but actually I'd like to hear it from the facts guy over here uh, with Randy and Mikey. Their research I trust a little bit more than um, a lot of the history books that we have or like th- that we saw back yeah. in high school. Because if I'm listening to them, Christopher Columbus was a pretty stand-up dude. Yeah. Um, but he's actually uh, right up there at the top of our bad guy list pretty much so uh pre-show you know i was kind of looking at it and and in the beginning i thought i was gonna you know like split the difference in between casey anthony and jared fogle but i feel like i gotta pump them up a little bit more than that so um i'm actually gonna split the difference in between jared fogle and vlad the impaler and we're gonna start off with a 9.12 for uh genghis khan pre-show 9.12 pre-show for buddy Mikey, what you got pre-show? Okay, um, you know, it's tough because, like I said, the Vlad the Impaler thing, there's a lot of parallels sort of there, you know? It's like... The field of dead bodies on... Yeah, well, it's also... Yeah, just the brutality of, like, war at that time. And, you know, it's just really, like, as we get into this, you'll see, like, it was was a very brutal, violent place. Nasty and brutish, like, uh, what's his name said. But, you know, he he had a, a much larger... He scaled up. Vlad the Impaler was like local guy, right? He was like a little tiny star. Trying to protect his own little territory in yeah. his area more so than take over the world. Yeah, he was a little startup, and then like Genghis Khan was like the Amazon of fucking you know <laughs> mass murder. Um, so I'm gonna put him up there. I don't, you know, I'm gonna put him at nine point six eight, just a touch above Christopher Columbus for my initial scores because I'd always heard the the horrible things. Uh, but I learned a lot uh, kind of research in this myself. All right, 9.68 for Mikey. All right. With a 9.52 from Randy, a 9.12 from Buddy, and a 9.68 from Mikey, Genghis Khan's pre-show asshole score is a 9.44. All right, 9.44, just above David Koresh, Waco... Uh, guy? Guy, yeah. 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 <laughs> Branch Davidian. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and then above that is Pablo Escobar at 9.49. So yeah. in between David Koresh and Pablo Escobar, pre-show falls Genghis Khan. Okay, there we go. All right, are you guys ready to conquer the show? Yes. What if you're like, no, <laughs> nah? I'd be like, I'm fucking out of here. Not at all. No, fuck this. I'm out. Let's 
do this. Redo, redo that whole part. <laughs> We're just going to leave that in for fun. Doesn't always work out perfectly, right? That's right. All right, let's get started. Genghis Khan is born in, well, it's a bit tricky, honestly, because in every episode of Asshole Court, we can usually give you a pretty good timestamp start to like a show subject's life. But in this case, nobody's even sure what year he is born, much less a specific month and day. Historians typically assign a birth year of either 1155, 1162, or 1167. So imagine that. Imagine nearly a thousand years from now, people thinking I maybe like was born in either 1974, 1981, or 1986. Huh. Yeah, that's a yeah. Well, I mean, it makes in, sense in that general decade. Yeah, this is around that ballpark. You know, is, was he wearing bell bottoms or a skinny tie? <laughs> it just depends. Now, is this BC or AD that we're? It was talking? AD for sure. Okay, yeah. okay. And also, it's BCE now and CE, Common Era and before Common Era. So I've heard people talking about that, but what is the event that sparks in between the two that separates Common Era and... Just about 2000, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say because I don't know. I think I think honestly it was sort of like grandfathered in because before it was like before, before Christ. Christ and yeah. after death. Or I know uh, Domi or whatever, yeah, Year of exactly. the Lord. It was Latin for yeah. like, yeah. Year and of so, the Lord. Yeah, exactly. So now they're kind of like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't into this Christian thing. Maybe we'll just be like, but let's just not like confuse everybody. Totally change it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm just looking for, okay, what was that zero? Then? Oh, yeah. It was when Christ our Lord was born, which even that's nobody even knows. Even that, I'm like still no, like, I think uh, they know. said they were like, yeah, he was born in like 33 AD or something like that. So it's, or I don't know. It's not quite right. Who knows? Also, it wasn't Christmas. Yeah. No, it was no. middle of summer. Right? Yeah, something yeah. like, I don't know. Everybody's just ballpark guessing, you yeah. know what I mean? Anyways, uh, but the reality is that the world that he is born into is so insanely different than what any modern human now experiences that it may as well have happened on some alien planet. And you'll get a clearer picture of this as we progress here. For fun, I'm assigning him a birth date of October 13th, which, as uh, we should all be aware, is officially National No Bra Day. So, (laughs) to commemorate the birth of one of the greatest conquerors in human history... Feel free to unleash your own Mongolian melons, all you lady listeners, or That's fat right. men. It's the right thing to do. Anyway, his birth name wasn't Genghis Khan. It was Temujin. I think that's right. Temujin? Yeah, T-E-M-U-J-I-N. It may, it's probably, I'm also going to stop here and say, like, these names are fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. It's pretty much like, I don't even watch Star it's, Trek. It's like shit out of Street Fighter. Temujin! Yeah. Temujin! <laughs> it's like, I, like I said, I don't, I'm not into uh, Star Trek track at all but like i have of course of sort of aware of like klingon names i think the klingons were based off mongolians Hmm. i don't know but i yeah so i'm gonna fuck up all sorts of shit in here because it's it's just kind of wild that's fair yeah you've gotten passes in previous episodes both you guys so i think we're all right i know so if anybody like hits a summer like it's not pronounced timujin i'm like i don't know dude uh i said even the place of his birth is a guess after all this wasn't an era of meticulous record keeping and, of course, nobody knew that this little baby would go on to be so important as to be discussed in the most respected podcast in human history some 900 years later. But, to be clear, it isn't as if he was born to some rando peasants either, because his father was a chieftain of his tribe, the Borjigin clan. The Borjigin. Borjigin. <laughs> B-O-R-J-I-G-I-N. So, yeah. Borjigin. Borjigin. We're going to go with Borjigin. Right. Born again. Well, if we're going with Genghis with the hard G, then we'll go with Borjigin. There right. you go. I like yeah. it. Uh, his mother's name was Holun, 
H-O-E-L-U-N. And I'll pause here for the requisite, Genghis Khan, yo mama ho. Yo mama ho, look. <laughs> now, his mom had met his dad at a Borgigan barbecue, uh, basically, and they'd, <laughs> and they'd hit it off immediately. Come and here, got, ho. <laughs> That's her nickname. That's right. They hit it off and had gotten married. And, of course, I'm just kidding about that. Holon had been a member of the Olkanid clan and had actually been betrothed to another dude named Chiledu in the province of Merka, and Yasu guy, who is Genghis's dad, had fucking kidnapped her ass and made him one of his wives. Oh, snap. So she was set to be with another dude, and Genghis Khan's dad kidnapped her and said, nah, you're going to be with me. Yeah, yeah. That's Dif- what happened around 1160 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, different times, my dude. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you know? that's crazy. That is pretty wild. And uh, imagine those Was com- she willing to go, or was this mo- what, like... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if she had a choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? She, like, what do you do if you're that dude? Like, do you go seek her out and fight him? Kill him? Like, I had a you, f- like, fight for your honor? And are there police? Oh, like, there's no <laughs> police. <laughs> <laughs> These are warlords. This is full on, like, whoever's, this is, this is might makes right. But I mean, like, who would, who would police the tribe in theory? You know what I mean? Nobody. Like, if you had Skinny Eddie running around stealing out of everybody's yurts. Yeah, like, did you just kill Skinny Eddie? Yeah, they yeah, were just they had their own rules for for each tribe. They had their own customs and uh, their own know. leaders and stuff like that. Yeah. And they would almost mob boss style, I guess, like make out the decrees and yeah. Here's what's happening: Cut Skinny Sk- Eddie's gonna die. Cut Skinny Eddie's hands off. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty brutal. They weren't cool, you yeah. know. But yeah, I, I was reading that and I was like, imagine those conversations where you're like. Tell me about when you and dad met. (laughs) Well, that's funny, actually, because, yeah, no. uh, I was prepping to be peppered by another man. (laughs) Your father came by and swept me off my feet. In the middle of the night. And tied me up and threw him over his arm, and we were off into the night. I was on the back of a donkey for about 15 miles. I love prepping to be peppered. Is that a, uh, a, like, making a reference to Mongolian beef? Oh, that's right. (laughs) Beef pepper steak? Yeah, Yeah, pepper steak or Mongolian beef. They're basic. The same, <laughs> little cornstarch and sugar on one. <laughs> That's it. Well, spiciness on the other. That's right. All right, Temujin, who I am going to refer to as Genghis from here on out, as you know, for simplicity's sake, was the firstborn of Yusugai and his uh, prisoner. I mean, his wife, <laughs> Holun. After little Genghis, they had three more boys and one girl. He also had two half brothers. Their mom was named Soshigel, and it's unknown whether she had been captured like Holun or if she was down for the cause from the get-go. Anyway, they all grow up by the Onan River, where they learn to ride horses and shoot arrows, which is, you know, what these tribes did. Mm -hmm. Pretty standard. That's right. His brother Temugi, T-E-M-U-G-E, Temugi? Temugi! (laughs) Temugi, was horrible at these things, so he earned the family nickname of Dingus Khan. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, Dingus can't do anything right. It's like Goofus and Gallant. That's right. From the Highlights magazines That's back right. in the day. Remember That's right. That? Oh, of course. Remember, remember, their names. Hi- remember highlights? I remember highlights for yeah, sure. So they had these two brothers named Goofus and Gallant. And one of them was a total dumb shit, and one was a stand up young man. And of course. That of was course. The, the tales of Goofus and Gallant. Yeah, be like Gallant, not like Goofus. That's right. Yeah, my kids still get highlights, or did up until I thought a year so ago. My kids still get high. I was like, cool. Man. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Not yet. As a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> He's got high hopes. <laughs> uh, they're going to follow on pause, re- <laughs> pause footsteps. Just realistic hopes, I think. Yeah, it's true. It's true. 
I don't know, but realistic expectations. Yeah, there you not go. hopes. But yeah, I hope yeah. you get high. <laughs> I hope you try all the drugs. Uncle uh, Randy gave it to me. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> At some point, you sue guy is like, Genghis, time to marry you off for political consolidation, little bro. And he goes to the Ongirit tribe, which Holon had come from. And yes, Sue guy is like, sup dudes, y'all calm down about me stealing Holon or what? And it turned out that they were for some reason. They were kind of chill about it. So he's like, little Genghis here is ready to marry. Um, let's see here. That girl right there. What's her name? And her name is Borte. Bort. Borty. How do you B- spell it? B-O-R-T-E, but there's an umlaut over the O. I don't know. Borty. 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 And she's the daughter of a chieftain. So this will, as I mentioned, create a political alliance between the Onik, On, On, Onigirit tribe. That was a close one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the uh, Yusu guys, Borjigan clan. <laughs> the stipulation is that little Genghis has to stay with the Onigirit tribe. And because the political deal is so fucking sweet. Yasugai agrees and leaves Little Genghis behind. Little Genghis is a mere eight years old at this point. Oh, wow. wow. Already getting promised out at eight. Eight. And, li- and left behind to... Peace out, homie. See you, dude. Damn. Yeah. Man, imagine leaving your eight-year-old son. I imagine they were a little more self-sufficient back then. Yeah. Like our kids these days at eight don't know how to shoot not, a bow and arrow no, from a or horse. ride a horse. Or well, a, I just think we're not really testing them. I feel like true. sometimes you want to just drop them off in the woods and see if they make it back. I you mean, know? those kids <laughs> couldn't have fucking loaded up a game and updated your settings on an iPad, so there's that. Exactly, yeah. 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 There's you know? different levels of intelligence. <laughs> true. They could probably skin a deer, but they can't play Candy Crush. <laughs> For shit. Yeah. <laughs> or turn on their mic in Fortnite. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> Get wrecked, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Tired of commercials in the middle of your asshole cord episodes? Do you want to say in the next show's subject or the next conspiracy we discuss? Well, now you can. Go to patreon.com and find us at AHC Podcast. Get those ad-free shows you want, get some input on who you want to hear about, and become internet famous with a shout-out on one of our shows. We've even got stickers and swag to show off to all your friends, and you'll get all our new conspiracy cord episodes. Go to patreon.com today and find us at AHC Podcast. Heading back home, you see guy, yeah, he gets kind of hungry. Unfortunately for him, pulling off an exit to grab a Big Mac won't be an option for another 800 some odd years, so he has to suck it up and get home. But then he lucks out and runs into some other dudes on the step. And the culture of the time is that strangers just have to help each other out. Which makes a lot of sense considering how sparsely populated it is and how wild the terrain is. I mean, that's just something that has only gone away like in the past 20, 30 years for the most part. I mean, like you read all the time about back in the 50s and 60s, like if somebody was like pulled off to the side of the road. Pick up that hitchhiker. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it's a flat tire, they'd be like, well. Help them out. The Mm -hmm. car shop's not open till morning. Y'all need a place to stay. Like type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like don't have sex with my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) You'll end up in the barn. I heard every word you said. (laughs) That's right. So he rides up and he's like, you guys got like a spare sandwich or a snack? Like maybe a Slim Jim or something? Some Welch's fruit snack. (laughs) That's right. And it turns out they do. They open up their leather pouches and they pull out some uh, Welch's fruit snacks. (laughs) (laughs) The trouble is that these dudes are the Tatters. The Tatters. The Tatters. T-A-T-A-R-S. That's a pretty well-known tribe. I should Taters. Taters. We got some tater tots. Tater tot. Right on watch. What? He said, he said you still got to give me some of your tots. 
<laughs> I keep them in my front pocket to keep them warm. That's right. Anyways, the problem is the, the Taters, uh, another tribe, <laughs> that Yusu guy, you know, he had a long history of fucking them up, and they recognize him. So they say, like, try this out. And they give him the one chip challenge, and Yusu guy abs- <laughs> <laughs> absolutely shits his leathers while the Tatters laugh and call him a bitch. <laughs> Actually, they poison him, and Yusu guy absolutely shits his leathers <laughs> and rides all the way home in his own poop. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> Man, he didn't recognize them though. He didn't. He thought he was going to get a you know something cool. And it, it sounds like he was a bit of a dick. Well, he was <laughs> the chieftain, so I guess he was different times. Yeah, yeah, laying his stamp out there. I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's how you they were smelling control his things. Yeah, his musk. <laughs> they didn't shower for shit. You know they no, didn't. No. And he's riding around and shit stained. I mean, he's like the original Ted Nugent, but like, yeah. Could you imagine the fucking chafe you would get riding a horse with mm. shit? In between you and the horse, <laughs> oh, and like uh, a blanket, maybe yeah. like whatever they Praying use oh, yeah, for a river like to cross a through. Blanket. Yeah, it would be bad. Oh. yeah, you'd have to tie the horse up and just go balls deep into a river that could be like forty <laughs> degrees cold. You know? What oh I mean? yeah, it's Mongolia. Oh, it's Mongolia. Yeah. 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 It would feel great by comparison, I imagine. Well, yeah, your ass is bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, man! And then you sit, you sit sideways on the yeah. horse on the way home, like a Both chick, two legs on one yeah. side, like just a like chick <laughs> in the nineteenth century, <laughs> riding like a lady. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So he rides all the way back home, and when he gets there, he's like, "Oh, I got fucking poison, bro. <laughs> I'm not gonna make it." He said, "Make sure to get Genghis back here, okay?" And, and then he died. <laughs> So like many of our show subjects at a young age, little Genghis finds himself without a dad. And the Borgigan are without a chieftain. And in these political structures, those unexpected power vacuums get a little violent and weird, you know? Now there are two lineal options for the throne. There's little Genghis, and then there's his slightly older half-brother, Bader. That's B-E-H-T-E-R. But the reality is that at just 10 and 12, respectively, they're both too young and inexperienced to have any effect. This isn't like the royalty of the of Europe where you have like some sort of guy that sort of watches them. What was the one with the that was very handicapped? Oh, that was I think Prince or it was King Philip with the uh Habsburg jaw. Habsburgs. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I think that was right. Thought yeah. we were gonna call it Tutankhamen. Well, him too. No, this this was these basically are like basically, you know, street gangs. On horses, yeah. so there's no like, oh well, we'll go ahead and take him in and teach him how to be a king. It's like, hey, if he can't fucking be a chief right now, it ain't happening anytime. Worse still, without a husband, Holun is effectively shunned and ostracized by the clan, who transition their loyalty to the Taichud clan, which is T A Y I C H I U D. Yeah, had a lot of fun with this one. Taichud. Taichud. I like. I actually got in letting that I in there too. I Taichud. <laughs> I feel pretty proud of myself on that one. There I think that's go. about right. <clears throat> so little Genghis and his mom and all of his siblings are greatly diminished in status and forced to fend for themselves. Regardless of their diminished status, there is still value in being the heir to a chieftain, and this creates some issues because there is some gray area here on who actually constitutes Yesugai's true heir. Bader is the oldest son of Yesugai's, but Genghis is the firstborn of Yesugai's main ho, Holun. Big Van Bader. That's right. In line. <laughs> Master Bader's in That's line. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and the tension isn't lost. <laughs> and he would have gotten ragged in school. <laughs> he just popped off two pretty good ones there in five seconds. Yeah. Big Van Bader. 
But yeah, well, also, I mean, I can't pronounce any of the names here, so I don't know if English really would have flown. <laughs> but the tension isn't lost on uh, the two boys either. Like, they're aware of it. And it gets a little bit weirder because a 4D chess move uh, Bader could make would be to marry Genghis's mom, Holun, and drop that whole stigma of being born to a lesser wife. A true stepmom porno setup with Holun <laughs> getting her hands stuck in the yurt door and Bader taking advantage of the situation, right? Help! Help! <laughs> yeah. No more Master Bader for me. That's right. Little Dad Genghis, won't be home soon, huh? <laughs> little Genghis is wary of Bader, of course, because this could happen. One day, Little Genghis, he catches a big-ass fish and is all like, We eating good tonight, fam! Which is a big deal because at this point, they're effectively hunter-gatherers due to the lack of support from the clan. So sharing food is pretty much required. But as the story goes, Bader says, Fuck that shit. I'm eating good tonight, you little bitch. And he takes the fish, rolls out, and feasts on it all by himself. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, man. That had to piss off Little Genghis. That's right. Infuriated, Genghis plots his revenge. He follows Bader until he is sure he is alone. When he knows he is, he runs up on Bader and delivers a simultaneous titty twister and wedgie of chieftain <laughs> proportions. Bader begins crying and swears he's going to tell his mom. <laughs> I'm kidding. Little Genghis shoots Bader with a fucking arrow and kills him. Wow. Oh, wow. His own brother. Stepbrother. Half-brother, yeah. Yeah. Again, different times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like the double wedgie reference, though, from this episode and last episode, but I believe last episode- That was episode, the Melvin. The Melvin. That's yeah. what I was trying yeah. to remember. Yeah, but he had to sneak up on him and reach around, get that titty, <laughs> Front pull that, yeah, yeah, pull those leathers up right up into his ass crack. Which would hurt really bad because he shit himself probably, you know, little streaks in his leathers and then he drove, <laughs> rode around on a horse all day. So he had chapped ass really bad. <clears throat> Anyways, when Genghis gets back to camp and tells everyone that he just iced his half bro, his mom Holun is like, you're in so much trouble, young man. I raised you better than that. <laughs> but little Genghis knows what's up and he's like, look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Because <laughs> he is. Yeah, that's right. Look at me, ho. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the captain now. And it's true, but it's also true that being the top dog of what is effectively the violinist version of the Partridge family doesn't mean you have much in the way of juice. You know what I'm saying? So little Genghis spends a lot of time getting fucking kidnapped by clans like the Taichid <laughs> and being used as a political pawn. Being a wily little bastard who isn't afraid to ice family members, if need be, though, he manages to escape a lot and survives into adulthood somehow, which a lot of people in the nearby vicinity will regret deeply. <laughs> <laughs> when he's 15, he's thinking it's time to go back and get that wife again. So he does. He goes back to Desation, D-E-I, and then the next word is S-E-C-H-E-N. Desation. Desation. He scoops Borte back up. <laughs> and her dad, chief of the Ongirit, is fucking stoked, man. He marries them and escorts them back to Genghis's camp. Now Genghis doesn't have to stay there. He's like, all right, you're 15. Now you're a real man. Roll out over here. You got your learner's permit. He, gets, he drives them. He lets he sit shotgun. Yeah, dad's driver in the <laughs> passenger seat. <laughs> I like you, son-in-law. Yeah. Watch out for that fucking car. <laughs> And Genghis is on the rise. New Princess Bride. He's survived some wild tribal politics. He's ready to begin his warlord career. So he looks for a patron. And he approaches Togrul. T-O-G-H-R-U-L. The powerful Khan of the Karate tribe. And a guy that had fought alongside Genghis's dad, Yasugi. He did this for a few reasons. First, he did it for protection and support. In Mongol society, where tribal affiliations and alliances were crucial for survival, 
having a powerful patron like Togrul, also known as Ong Kong or Wang Kong. <laughs> Wang Kong. Wang Chung tonight. Wang, yeah, everybody Wang Chung tonight. The leader of the Karate tribe provides Genghis with protection against his enemies. At that time, Genghis was vulnerable, having lost his father at a young age and facing internal tribal conflicts and external threats. The second reason is for legitimacy and influence. Togrul's support lent Genghis legitimacy and increased his influence among other tribes. As a respected and established leader, Togrul's backing was a significant endorsement of Genghis's leadership. Genghis would take selfies with him. That's right. Po- post it on his Insta to get clout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Check out my dog here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rolling with the big dogs now. Third reason was resources and manpower. Aligning with Togrul gave Genghis access to the resources and manpower of the Karate tribe. This was essential for Genghis to build his own power base and to conduct military campaigns. And the fourth reason was strategic alliances. The alliance with Togrul was part of Genghis's broader strategy of forming alliances through marriage, diplomacy, and warfare to unite the Mongol tribes under his leadership. So I was, I was trying to figure it out. I was like, that's a strange system. It, does, it doesn't make sense. I know what patrons are usually for, which is like, hey, I'm a really good artist. I, at this time, especially, you're like, I need you know, a prince or a baron or somebody like that to sort of pay me to paint for them. And that's how I make my living. Mm-hmm. So seeing this where he's like, I need a patron warlord was just fascinating <laughs> to me. Right. But from a, like a different faction from which he grew up in. Well, his, yeah. So Togrel was like, a, it'd be the equivalent of going to your dad's buddy and be like, Hey, you were tight with my dad. He's dead. Anyways, like things are going pretty good for me now. I got this princess and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the rise. So, you know, can I like form up with you? And he's like, yeah, sure, dude, let's roll. And then, you know, it's whatever. But I'm guessing there was no idea of threat of Genghis taking over Togrul's. Not, not at that time. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Not at that time. So before you know it, Genghis and Togrul are like the skipper and Gilligan. Like best buds, <laughs> right? And Genghis and Borte dropped their first kid, a girl. So things are looking pretty good for Genghis. But as it turns out, not so fast. Because, well, do you remember how Genghis's dad, Yasugai, had kidnapped his mom, Holun? Well, some dudes from her tribe sure as hell did. Like, uh, yeah. Why they got to bring up old shit? That's right. When Genghis They had receipts. Yeah. <laughs> when Genghis's camp faced a Hollywood-style revenge raid from around 300 Merkits, it was not expected, to say the least. They abducted his wife, Borte. I, I'm pronouncing her name different every time. Borte, Borte, Borte. I don't know. We're going to go with Borda. Perhaps mistaking her for some like uh, sort of medieval trophy, which she was, effectively. In fact, the Merkits made Borta marry the younger brother of Holun's first husband, Chaledu, whose name does indeed sound like a new uh, item on the Taco Bell value menu. <laughs> have a Chaledu and a number four. Yeah, and a Baja Blast. <laughs> yeah, or a Mountain Dew, one of the two. Yeah, Mountain Dew Baja Blast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's one of the reasons you want to go to Taco Bell sometimes. Yeah. Do you guys know anybody that doesn't like Baja Blast? No. Me either. There's a reel about somebody pulling up to Taco Bell and they put their order in and then they're like, and you're going to get a Baja Blast with that, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, no, water's good. They're like, Baja Blast it is. It is. It's like a a whole thing. Everybody loves a Baja Blast. I bet Genghis Khan would love the Baja Blast. (laughs) Anyway, Genghis, not one to take things lying down, rallied the troops with the help of his childhood friend, Jamuka. That's J-A-M-U-K-H-A. Uh, who had become chief of that of the Jundarl tribe, and Togrul, bringing together an impressive army of 40,000. Clearly in those days, you didn't just send a uh, search party, you sent a fucking army. Their mission was a success, and Borta was rescued, 
albeit with a twist. She returned pregnant, sparking a historical paternity dispute that would make for an epic episode on a medieval Maury show. Oh, man. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Yeah. You are not the father. And he just bashes her head in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually what happened. Now, actually, uh, surprisingly enough, despite the gossip, Genghis raised the child jo- Jochi, Jochi, J-O-C-H-I, as his own, demonstrating early examples of step-parenting challenges. <laughs> Was Jokey a boy or a girl? Do we know? I think it was a boy. That sounds male. Yeah, Joke. <laughs> it could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> Just Jokey. Just Jokey. <laughs> Post-rescue, Genghis and Jamuka's relationship deepened, with historians speculating on the nature of their bond. Was Genghis serving as Jamuka's right-hand man, if you know what I mean? Or was it just a profound friendship? The most impactful warlord in human history might very well have been the original Brokeback Mountain. (laughs) The Alliance, however, hit a rough patch. A cryptic remark about camping and Borta's potential influence led to their split. Genghis then embarked on his solo career, gathering a group of 41 leaders, including future star player Subutai. And Subutai would basically end up being the grand architect of all of Genghis' military campaigns in the future. Hmm, okay. After being hailed as conned by his supporters, Genghis's rise to power wasn't exactly a group hug moment. Togrel cheered from the sidelines, but Jamuka, feeling like a third wheel, turned hostile. Their clash it was at Dalan Balgis. So these dudes meet up, and they're like, I mean, it was a fucking legit war between two dudes that were like best friends, maybe lovers. Huh. Yeah. A lover's quarrel. Definitely. It was. It's a big spat. Exactly. It happened in 1187, and it was like a dramatic season finale with Genghis actually getting defeated and added a twist to his otherwise like meteoric rise. Historical accounts on this area are like clear as mud with contradictions galore, but they're saying like his first big war he loses huh. to Jamuka, his homeboy. Post-defeat, Genghis might have taken working remotely a bit too literally. Historians believe he spent a good uh, chunk of the next decade with the Jerkin Jin dynasty in North China, possibly not by choice. Oh, they might have Exile. kicked him out and sent him up there? Yeah, and they were wondering if he was actually like a slave for a while. Huh. He leads a pretty fucking interesting life up to this point, you know? Uh, yeah, it's very true. This is stuff that would have been, I, I mean, you could make a really good movie about this, and like, if I was going to cast it, I'd probably go with John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> out in the Nevada desert? That's right. I can't imagine casting John Wayne for this fucking role. Come see me, Jamuka. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. That's, I love it. Pull down them leathers, Jamuka. <laughs> I love you. He said, I can't quit you. <laughs> In the summer of 1196, like a medieval freelancer, he juggled gigs with the Jinn and, and Togrel. After helping the Jinn put the rebellious tatters in their place, he got a shiny new title from them, which is Cha'ut Curry, which in Jerkin is fancy talk for like commander of hundreds. So he's moving up in the middle management at this point. All right. He's got 100 guys, maybe a few hundred. Meanwhile, he played sidekick to Togrel, helping him reclaim his carrot lordship. Apparently, he lost it in the interim. The power play upgraded Genghis from vassal to de facto equal in the step political chess game. Jamuka, on the other hand, went full villain post Dalan Balujit, which is where they had the, that was their big battle with each other. Okay. Boiling 70 prisoners alive and disrespecting enemy leaders' corpses was his idea of a victory lap. Ooh. This brutality turned out to be a PR disaster, driving some of his followers into Yasuge's loyalist Munglig, 
uh, straight into Genghis's more welcoming and wealthier arms. Genghis also showed he wasn't one to forget a grudge. Boiled people alive? Yeah. God. I imagine you would go into shock after, or your nerve endings would stop working after about five or six seconds. Yeah. I would hope after five to six seconds and not longer. But I don't know how the rest of that would play out. They the torture at this time everywhere, even in Europe, was just unimaginably cruel. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they were going down with like their thumbs up, like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator no. Two no. or no. Terminator. Well, everybody's familiar with Guy Fox, right? The guy that was going to try to blow up Parliament. I mean, yes, we have Guy Fox Day, Guy November fifth. Yeah. Mm. Well, what's funny is that they caught him. And then there's all the documentation shows him signing when they first bring him into the Tower of London. And then when he signs his confession right before he gets executed, you can tell this guy got tortured like fuck and can barely like hold on to his oh, shit. Oh, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, nowadays you're like, oh, man, that would suck to get executed. But back then they're like, now nah, we're going to peel your skin off. <laughs> we're going to flay you first and show you. Tar and feather you. Yeah. Yeah. They make the uh, Funky Town video look chill. <laughs> <laughs> So in the early 1200s, Genghis and Togrel decide it's time to fucking clean house. And they launch a campaign against the Merkit, the Naimans, and the Tatters. But Jamuka, his old best pal and maybe lover, again takes the opposite end of that bet. This time, the outcome is different. And Genghis whoops that sweet, sweet Jamuka ass. <laughs> Jamuka shake. <laughs> yeah. I love a good Jamuka shake. Man, that's the one thing Arby's hang their hat on. That and their curly fries. I love their curly fries. Uh, they have a decent uh, market fresh market sandwich. Market fresh sandwich is good. Yeah. yeah. There's way worse places, but everybody talks shit about Arby's. Yeah. It's not great. I Arby's mean, and Burger King, I just never really find myself Burger there. King is super weak. Not there, yeah. I don't yeah. go to McDonald's much either. I, I'll, I'll give me a Big Mac sometimes. Feeling the Big Mac. I try to steer towards the sandwich spots. If I'm going to bounce around. You always have. You've always been Sandwich yeah. King. Yeah. Subway. Yeah. That hasn't played out too well for yeah. me at times. <laughs> Anyway, Genghis switches gears and focuses on taking the eastern half of what is now Mongolia and quickly clears out the Taichid and the tar- the Tatars. I put this the one taters, as taters, man. I put this one as Tartars. <laughs> <laughs> clears out some tartar sauce. What's more important is that we start to see the genius of Genghis here. Because as far as I understand it, while most warlords would wipe out the opposition and especially their best combatants, Genghis actually recruits them into his camp. This includes a guy named Jeeb. J-E-B-E, Jebby, Jeeb, who had impressed Genghis when he killed Genghis's horse in battle. <laughs> he impressed him, huh? Yeah, yeah. So like, that motherfucker almost took me out. I was about to say. Come on over. <laughs> Wild-ass job interview. Imagine walking into a job <laughs> interview and the guy's like, why should I hire you? And you're like, look out in the parking lot. And his infinity <laughs> is just a charred, flaming chunk of metal. <laughs> wow. Look at the fucking gumption on this guy. You're hired. It's a real go-getter. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, the power dynamic in the steppe changed with three main groups. The Naimans in the west, the Mongols, which is uh, Genghis's group in the east, and the Karat in the middle. Karat is K-E-R-E-I-T? Karat? Karat? I don't know. Anyways, this is really tough. I'm this sure. is the, the hardest that it's ever been. We're going to agree with you on every pronunciation, yeah, pretty much. It's true. Genghis tries the old... Marry a son off to form a political alliance card that was so popular until 100 years ago. But this marriage proposal for his uh, son to Togrel's daughter backfired, leading to an ambush plot that Genghis narrowly escaped. So Togrel flips. Now he's against Genghis. Oh, man. Yeah. This is like straight Game of Thrones shit here. Right? It's like wild. 
Yeah, it's not cool that uh, Togrel's not cool with Genghis. Now he's got his own problems. After regrouping at Baljuna, Genghis forms a diverse and loyal group known as the Baljuna Covenant. Like, this is when he's like at his lowest on the way up, right? right. Basically, like I said, he calls out any potential ally and straggler around and is like, form like Voltron, bitch. <laughs> like, for real, like anybody that's around, he's like, I need all your help. I mean, this is like a comic book <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, he makes a strategic maneuver on the carrot and catches them with their furry pants down. After a three-day battle, Genghis collects the W and his once patron, now enemy, Togrel, catches a permanent L when he's killed by one of the guys on his side. Oh, man, oh. a betrayal. I think it was an accident. <laughs> Friendly fire? Yeah, sort of like a General Stonewall Jackson thing. I don't know. Anyways, a little embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, Genghis takes the opportunity to stunt on the defeated carrots by adding their princess Ibaka to his stable of wives and consummating the marriage on horseback while the chief watches and cries. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm kidding about that last part, although it would be pretty gangster. <laughs> Just boning her on a horse. <laughs> it'd be hard on a horse, yeah. <laughs> or it'd be real easy. The horse is doing the work for oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you got to figure out how to pull it off at first well i think what it is is so what's funny she's is on top of you the, the like reverse cowgirl reverse horse girl That's the it. the mormons have a thing and i think we've talked about this in the show before where they don't you know they, they don't like friction fucking or something yeah like that. well they, they call it they call it uh wet, marinating, ru- wet rubbing marinating oh where my you, God. You, can, you can you just put your penis inside but because you're not actually humping they just, they, they oh, fuck. Like inside the pussy lips? Yeah, but you just don't know. You put it all the way in, and then you just sort of, like, hold each other. But sometimes they'll bring in a third friend, and it's called the oh, they jump hump on the bed. Jump. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not that much different from the Mongols and fucking on horses. Randy's looking up Mormon marinating. Yeah, soaking. Soaking, that's what there it's called. Also known as marinating or floating. Is a sexual practice of inserting the penis into the vagina, but not subsequently thrusting. Reportedly used by some members of the LDS Church, uh, news sources do not report it being a common practice. And da 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 da. Yeah. So soaking. Exactly. So that's basically hump jumps. <laughs> yeah, hump, yeah, they hump jump, and so basically the horse was the hump jump, and, <laughs> and Genghis Khan and Ibaka were soaking. That's what we're gonna go with. Anyways, he also marries off his son to Louis. T-O-L-U-I. Tolui. 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 So now the carrot are family and the bond is formed. <laughs> These are the carrot family. <laughs> the carrot family. <laughs> the carrot I basically family. did, yeah. <laughs> but his old boo, Jamuka, was still plotting revenge. At this point, he's formed up with the Naimans, Naimans and wanting to settle the score for good. But Genghis is tipped off early and he wipes the floor with the Naimans and throws Jamuka a towel to clean himself up. Wipe off. <laughs> <laughs> Defeated, Jamuka bails on the Naimans, and this proves unfortunate for him because shortly thereafter, they capture him and turn him into Genghis. So he was like, all right, it was you dudes. We'll go take this guy out. They get their ass kicked. He's like, peace out. I'm out of here. <laughs> and they're like, they catch him later. They're like, oh, fuck you. And they take him, you know, basically turn him in. Yeah. Citizens arrest his ass. <laughs> Jamuka's all like, my dude, <laughs> you know I didn't mean any of that stuff. I was, <laughs> I was just angry. You know, Borte is trying to ruin your life, man. She's power hungry, bro. And she doesn't know what it's like for me and you out on the step. <laughs> Camping out together. Under the stars. Marinating. Soaking. Soaking. <laughs> in the water. <laughs> together. Gangs is like, sorry, bro. You know what's going to happen here. 
And Jim Mook is like, all right, it is what it is, but at least give me an honorable and quick death. And Genghis is like, bet. And he does. Or maybe not, because some other sources have Jamuka getting dismembered. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You pick whichever story you like better. Oh. He might have killed him, then cut him up. Yeah, I don't know. Or this they could have just tied like the arms and legs to horses and sent them in different directions. Yeah, yeah. quarter and draw. Drawn yeah. quarter. Drawn and, and quartered. Yeah. Man, I I just wonder when you do get like your arm cut off. Like you gotta go into shock. You like, have to. You can't your body really couldn't register that much pain. No. Remember one of our uh, old friends, he broke his leg really bad on the soccer field. Yeah, and it was bad, bad. And I remember going over there to him, it was and it was obvious that he was that he was in shock. Yeah, he point. was as white as a piece of paper. Yeah, and he just was talking. Yeah. He's like, oh, I can't fucking believe this just happened. Total shock. So I imagine you lose a limb, it's going down. So the year is twelve oh six, and Genghis has done what seemed impossible. He's conquered and united the warring clans of the Mongolian steppe. He calls for a Kurultai. K-U-R-U-L-T-A-I, at the Onan River. Think of it like a board meeting of the Mongolian hordes. A horde meeting, if you will. <laughs> All, was Ho there? <laughs> yes, she was, I'm sure. All of the chiefs are there. Well, not Jamuka or Torgal, because they couldn't make it for some reason. <laughs> but he shows amazing loyalty and respect to the other chieftains and warriors who had fought with him from the very beginning, especially those that were with him at the lowest. To the chieftain and warriors that had died in helping him, he declared a tax on the kingdom to help pay for their family's care. And that is true. When you start getting into, like, Genghis Khan, like, your thought process is that he was, like, just this insane, like, bloodlust-having uh, warlord. Power-hungry warlord. Yeah, but he actually ended up setting, like, an entire legal code, which he established is called the Yasa. And it, like, was a legal code that governed, like, Mongol life and covered everything from, like, civil law to military discipline. Huh. So that kind of answers my question earlier about who the police were. Yeah. Well, yeah. at this point, finally... He when made he, some shit. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, like I said, when he gets in, and we'll get into this later on, is, is he expands beyond the Mongol tribes and, and, and the steppe there. Uh, he is pretty tolerant about other religions and stuff like that. Like, uh, it's kind of amazing. He's, he's sort of like a really good CEO to some extent. He's, like, picking out... You know, good talent and being like, all right, well, we'll adopt some of your stuff if you just, you know, pay a tribute here, I guess, right? Long story short, everyone is in agreement that Genghis Khan is the most dope and is now the chief of chiefs. He, and remember, his real name is not Genghis. He gets his new name, though, and it's Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis new, Khan. Your new name is Dennis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's Genghis Khan. The new name is Genghis. There is some academic disagreement over what the name means, but odds are it's either universal ruler or oceanic ruler. Apparently, the Mongols thought that the entire world outside of that was like the ocean, so they thought he ruled the entire thing. Hmm. Either way, it rules if you're Genghis Khan. Now that he has united his people, Genghis decides to relax on the throne with Borte and Ibaka and eat turkey legs. But one day, while he's relaxing, a telephone booth appears out of a storm of electricity, <laughs> and Ted Theodore Logan and Bill S. Preston Esquire appear and lure him back into their telephone booth time machine with a Twinkie. <laughs> come on. Come <laughs> on, Genghis. Of course, I'm kidding about all that. He wasn't lured into a telephone booth time machine at all, but that is just one of my favorite movies as a child, and it was such a good scene. How many times have you listened to an episode and thought, man, I wish they would have said this? Well, now with our interactive social media pages, you can. 
Let us know what you think about our show subjects and give us your scores. We'd love to hear from you. Well, most of you at least. Let's dive back into the action. So yeah, like I said, he didn't get uh, lured into a telephone time booth, time machine. Uh, and he also didn't like relax and chill with Borta and Ibaka because Genghis arose to power by creating a wildly efficient and successful war machine. And you can't just turn that shit off. You got to aim that shit somewhere. And so he does. And this is where Genghis Khan's asshole score is going to go way up. Because fighting amongst your people and uniting the clans under one banner is reasonable, if very violent. And having like scores to settle is understandable. But unleashing the wrath of your razor-sharp war machine on your unsuspecting neighbors for the sake of conquest? Well, that's a little different. And Genghis had a kind of template that he followed on these conquests. Let me kind of run through it before we get into some specifics. Genghis's approach to city sieges was to roll up and say, Hey, you fucking wieners, behold my huge dick. Check out my big-ass army. You got a choice here. Either get with the program, become one of my vassal states, pay me tribute, and give me some of your troops for more pillaging, or get fucking wrecked, pussy. And if they agreed, he'd offer them protection, as long as they were obedient. But many, of course, not knowing how violent the Mongols actually were, refused. Side note here, I just want to note that the whole story of Genghis Khan is just a mafia crime boss writ large. <laughs> it's really no different. Right? The warring families, uh-huh. he becomes the boss of bosses, he's the chief of chiefs. He goes extorting towns. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. He's got a bunch of gumars off to the side, like yeah. Tony Soprano did. That's right. That's you right. <laughs> He's out gather gabagool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if they refused, it was indeed a bad day for Ducky. His forces, known for their ruthlessness, often turned victorious sieges into tragic episodes for the city inhabitants, civilians included. This wasn't just old-fashioned brutality. It was a calculated strategy to strike fear in the hearts of future opponents. Think of it as a very extreme version of leaving a bad Yelp review to discourage future customers. (laughs) The destruction didn't stop at lives. The Mongol army, doubling as demolition experts, frequently turned cities into ancient dust. They didn't discriminate. Homes, markets, places of worship, all were fair game. The result? Not just a military win, but a blow to the very soul of the city, leaving behind ghost towns where life once thrived. Cultural heritage took a hard hit, too. As the Mongol invasions steamrolled through territories, they left a trail of cultural devastation in their wake. Priceless artifacts, historical buildings, manuscripts, many became casualties of war. The cultural landscape of the Western Shia dynasty, for instance, still bears the scars of these losses. Survivors of the Mongol onslaught didn't get off easy either. Many faced a grim choice, slavery or forced migration. This displacement shuffled the social and economic cards of the region, reshaping lives and communities in ways that echoed long after the dust settled. Psychological warfare was another arrow in the Mongol quiver. This didn't just defeat their enemies, they aimed to break them mentally. The sheer scale and brutality of their actions served as a warning. Resist, and you risk more than defeat. You risk annihilation. Jeez. The fear was so real that there were tales of lone Mongol soldiers riding into surrendered villages and executing peasants at random as a test of loyalty. Because it was widely known that a single act of resistance would bring the entire Mongol army onto a town and obliterate its occupants. Damn. God. It's the equivalent of the little tiny pussy guy walking 30 steps ahead and throwing a punch and then like his whole squad coming and uh-huh. beating the shit out of somebody. Man, walk into town and just kill a few dudes. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Just me, the Mongol guy. Here with my buddy Genghis. Gonna kill you. What gonna are you gonna do about you? it? What are you gonna do about it? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do, pussy? 
Anyway, from 1206 until his death in 1227, Genghis would use his playbook to invade and conquer and create the largest empire the world has ever known. At its peak, it covered some 9 million square miles of territory, again, making it the largest contiguous land empire in world history. Now, running through all of them in depth would like probably take three or four shows, and we want to keep this to around an hour, hour and a half, so I'm just going to give you the highlights and some details on the brutality. From 1207 to 1209, conquest of the Western Xia Dynasty, also known as the Tangut Empire in northwestern China. From 1211 to 1214, invasion and partial conquest of the Jin Dynasty in northern China, including the capture of the capital, Zhongdu, which is now Beijing. Okay. 1218 to 1220, conquest of the Khwarezmian Empire in Central Asia, extending Mongol influence into Iran, Afghanistan, and parts of Russia. Now, this campaign was especially brutal, perhaps because the opposing side was so very different from the Mongols. Mm. In 1219, after Enel Chuk, governor of the city of uh, Atrar in modern-day Kazakhstan, had severely provoked Genghis Khan, the Mongol emperor led a vast army to invade the empire and lay siege to Atrar. After five months, the oasis town was captured. The Mongols executed Enel Chuk by having molten silver poured down his neck. Oh. Some oh. accounts say that it was poured into his ears and eyes. Oh, God. Yeah. Especially as that hardens too, it expands. Yes. Oh. Molten, like they just, it's like, yeah. Down his mouth? Like. Down his mouth. Worse oh. yet was they made his wife butt chug the silver. <laughs> <laughs> the fighters defending Otrar were all killed, and the entire population of the city was brought out onto the plain by the victorious Mongols. Every one of them, numbering about 100,000, was put to the sword. In 1220, Mongol forces sacked the ancient city of Termez in uh, modern-day Uzbekistan. According to legend, a local woman pleaded with the Mongol invaders to spare her life, saying that she had swallowed pearls. Her captors duly sliced her open and retrieved the precious gemstones. This prompted an order by the Mongol commander that the corpse of every citizen of Termez was to be disemboweled, believing it would yield similar riches. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That is a disgusting treasure hunt. Yeah. <laughs> Boss, one for 7,000. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> this didn't go well. These aren't even real pearls. What the fuck? <laughs> These are kidney stones. He said, well, I got, these pl- <laughs> I got these plastic spider rings for these seven tickets. <laughs> 1220 to 1223, campaigns in the Caucasus in the Volga region, including battles against the Kumans, Volga Bulgars, and the Kipchaks. Again, he's moving west at this point. Yeah. Different people. They're not Asian at all. I feel like this maybe have something to do with it feeling very, it's easier to sort of like dehumanize your opponents when they don't look like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In February 1221, Genghis Khan's forces laid siege to the city of Merv. Merv Griffin. Merv Griffin. <laughs> in modern day Turkmenistan. When the people of Merv surrendered to the Mongols, the conquerors responded by virtually wiping the city off the map, murdering, pillaging, and wrecking the ancient metropolis. Khan was reported to have given himself a front row seat for the mayhem at Merv. He sat on a golden throne and watched as men were dragged before him and executed. It was said to have been a memorable day of shrieking and weeping and wailing. The invaders tortured the wealthy citizens of Merv so they'd give up their money and jewels. One source puts the number of dead in the Merv Massacre at 700,000. What? While a contemporary Persian chronicler estimates that the number of corpses at a staggering 1.3 million. 
Jesus Khan Christ. apparently ordered each of his soldiers to kill at least 300 people. God. I feel like when you get into these historical recounts, th- these are exaggerated numbers. I mean, it's got to be. like Because I, as a, a warrior and like, oh, I got to go kill 300. After you kill seven. You're tired. You come back that night, you're like, 150 down. Yeah. You know. Well, there was a, a famous, there was two Japanese officers in World War II that had a contest between each other of who could behead more men. And they made the newspapers and everything like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it wasn't 300 apiece. Yeah. I just feel like 300 is a lot. And I guess it's possible, but I feel like, you know, it's sort of like, you know, I caught a fish this big. Yeah, totally. They probably killed like 30. Right. We were just watching Elf as a Family this past weekend, yeah. and uh, Buddy the Elf is trying to keep up with all the other elves, and he has to make, you know, etch-a-sketches. And they were like, well, how many did you make today, buddy? And he's like, 80. And all the other elves are like, because <gasps> like the quota is like 3,000 yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. So like, I wonder being that guy, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. how, many, how many did you kill today? Yeah. Oh, definitely a ton. <laughs> yeah. Oh, probably 300. <laughs> At least. Let's go with that. 1225 to 1227 was the final conquest of the Western Shia dynasty, consolidating control over Northwestern China. In early 1227, Genghis falls from his horse while hunting and his health quickly deteriorates. In August of 1227, Genghis Khan kicks the can. Nobody's really sure exactly what happened. Some say it was illness. Marco Polo wrote that it was from an arrow during battle. One dude said he got struck by lightning, which would be fucking hilarious, to be honest. (laughs) Whichever the case, and let's hope it was lightning, (laughs) Genghis is dead. And do you think that the Mongols, perhaps the most violent motherfuckers in history, would have a normal funeral? Nah, of course not. Here's one description of the funeral I found on the UK's History Channel site. It is said that the mighty warlord had stipulated that his burial place was to remain a secret. Marco Polo, the famous Venetian explorer who served as an envoy for the Mongol emperor Kublai Khan in the 1270s and 1280s, told the sinister story of Genghis's funeral. According to this version of events, 2,000 slaves that worked on burying the late emperor were butchered by their guards, who in turn were cut down by the second unit of infantry. These soldiers then made their way through the countryside, away from the burial place, and murdered everyone who saw them so that no trace of their presence or witness to their route was left. This final group of men then committed suicide when they returned to their base. Modern experts have concluded that the most likely location of Genghis Khan's grave is the area of the Mongol sacred mountain Burkhan Khaldun in the far north of Mongolia. It's hard to verify the truth of that story, but considering what we've just heard, like it sounds plausible. Wow. So what, they just basically had like... Each ring was killed as it got out to like the next yeah. set of so people. Check it out. The slaves were brought up there. Yeah. They dug and made the thing. They were all killed. Yeah. And then the guys that killed them, anybody who saw anything that went down, they went and killed them. And then they all killed themselves. Jeez. So nobody knows where he's. everybody's dead. Still can't find him. Yeah. Jeez. Yep. So that's Genghis Khan. Interesting. Final scores, boys. Wow. And so we didn't even really get into all of his, uh, uh, I guess, a baby lot making. of his baby making. I mean, what's there to say, you know? Like, they, they, they didn't give sort of detailed, like, he fucked this chick, <laughs> then he fucked this chick, then he fucked that chick. But I, I got to, well, what I'm wondering more is I'm getting, I'm guessing there was a lot of raping going on 
and yeah like i don't think a lot of it was consensual is what i'm i think the level of rape would make the eastern front of berlin in 1945 look uh very vanilla yeah jesus christ yeah they were like just kidnapped i mean it was like I said it was like ownership his own dad stole his wife yeah yeah. You think they're not going to fuck him? You know, think right. it'd be really nice? Hey, hey, hey. You know? It's I know cool. this is fucked up. Look, look, look. I got DVDs of Sex in the City. You just sit here. You know? No, it's not It's not a good day. It's not a great time to be a woman. I mean, right now, think about it. Chicks that go jog in the evening are terrified. Yeah, exactly. And it's pretty chill now, for the most part. You know, every murder show I watch is always like, they found a woman. And they thought that some sort of sexual thing had happened. I'm like, of course, <laughs> she got murdered. It's always sex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ouch. Yeah. The rape thing is uh, real. It's, it's a, it's a shitty, is. shitty thing. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Uh, so, what do you guys think about Genghis Khan? Who is going first? Let's actually, you know, Randy, you started off. So, go ahead and give us your final score on Genghis Khan. Oh, gee, Khan, man. I, I knew he had a lot of people dead. I never yeah. would have imagined more than a million. I guess I didn't really put that much thought into it either. If you're making an empire literally from like the eastern seaboard of China to it sounded like Kazakhstan. Eastern Europe. Yeah, Eastern Europe, like west of Russia, you know what I mean? In that yeah. little area, it's a lot of uh terrain to cover. So yeah, you gotta uh do what you gotta do to get there, I guess. But yeah, you throw some numbers out there. That first place he wiped them off, it was a hundred thousand. I'm like, God. And when I think of a hundred thousand, I think of like if you go to uh, college football stadium, yeah. like University, Michigan, Michigan University of Georgia holds yep. ninety two. Yep. Yeah, you go there and think about every single person in that stadium wiped. It's a lot. Yeah, because it Imagine takes you. That's a lake of blood. Oh, for sure. Oh, it's yeah, insane. for sure. So yeah, I just kind of putting some actual numbers behind it. It's it's as shocking as you would think it would be, and you said it multiple times, kind of throughout the show. Is it was a different time. Yeah. But like. Still, the humanity of yeah. kind of what they were doing was just so life was cheap. Fucked up. Yeah, imagine, it was. Life was cheap. That's right. Imagine being a vulture though. Then that was the salad days of being a vulture. Oh, you know man, what I'm saying? That's right. <laughs> we eat good tonight. That's right. They're just following yeah. the the armies around that's wherever it. they go. Like a hand sanitizer salesman during COVID. That's You're right. Killing Jeez. it. So putting a bow on Chingus. Oh, put, you fuck me up and call it Chingus now. <laughs> <laughs> My last one. I'm going to go 9.68, just a tick above Christopher Columbus. Okay, 9.68 from Randy on Genghis, Genghis, Dingus Khan. <laughs> Jenga Khan. Jenga Khan. That's right. Jenga's a great game. Uh, buddy, what you got? All right, so yeah, I'm right there with Randy on this. I, I didn't realize how many people that he had killed. I mean, I figured we were... You know, up there, but shit. I mean, like seven hundred thousand, almost seven hundred thousand to one point two million from just that one battle. Uh, yeah. I th- again, I th- I feel like those numbers are heavily exaggerated, but he killed a lot of fucking a lot people. of people. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, that's in that's insane numbers right there. And yeah, once you get into uh, you know, I'm sure all the raping that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, he had a little bit of a tough upbringing, but still, nothing warrants what he ended up doing as an individual later on in life. But he also included some cool like uh, codified law. Set up insurance funds for the people that got hurt. Yeah. Yeah, you know. It's very modern. Aflac. Yeah. You know, basically. Yeah. But, it, but it actually is like worth a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not getting sponsored by Aflac now. That is the sponsor of this show. Yeah. yeah. 
But no, uh, that's crazy. I didn't realize that his death toll was way up there. And um, I'm sure the rape toll is, you know, putting up solid numbers up <laughs> the there The rape as well. really got to Buddy. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second. I think I they were raping him? <laughs> I mean, like, with his, you know, Brokeback Mountain story, too, yeah. you know, it could have gone both ways. Too. I'm going to write a screenplay. And honestly, I may get murdered by the Mongols for doing that. <laughs> It'd have to be like softcore porn. A love story? He'd be, well, he'd be like mid-battle and all of a sudden like just hiking some yeah. chick's skirt up and banging it out on the battlefield. Time out! Time out! Oh, there's no time out. It's <laughs> no, no, your no. Your homeboy's just got your back. You're like, no, no, my it, six, it would be It would legitimately be Brokeback Mountain, but it, it would instead of being Brokeback Mountain, it would be that mountain where they buried him. <laughs> And it would be him and, and Jamuka. Jamuka. And they're, yeah, I can't quit you. <laughs> it would be like Not a on our story. mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember a buddy of mine watching the movie. He was like, it was pretty rough, man. You hear ball slapping and everything. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it, but he was just, you know. So, uh, yeah, no, when I look at final scores, um, I've actually got a like, push him way up. Because, I mean, like, we've got Osama bin Laden at a 10.6, and, I mean... He definitely influenced a lot of people, and you know, murdered. that show also came out on September twelfth, twenty twenty one. Exactly, almost exactly twenty years afterwards. We were a little hype, but uh, yeah, no, I got to put him a little bit higher than Osama bin Laden, and I'm gonna put uh, Genghis Khan at a ten point seven five. Damn! Right, wow, ten point seven five for Buddy. He's got the most bodies on anybody we've covered so far. So Easily. But he replaced him with his own uh, sperm. That's right. Replacement so, count. That's right. He kills, but he loves. Yeah. You know. It's a net equal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They actually, they, they've done some studies that he, uh, like, the amount of change he had, like, globally and stuff like that was, like, wild. Like, it, uh, I can't remember what it was. It was something, it changed, like, the uh, the climate. Because he killed so many fucking people, oh, Jesus. Wow. Yeah, the yeah. I'm just doing this for the environment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's one of those guys from like Elf or whatever it is, the Earth Liberation Front. <laughs> All right, Mikey, take us home. Okay, uh, there's a lot there. I, you know, like I said, it's it's a walking contradiction. There's some things about him you're like, oh, it's pretty good. You know, it's kind of progressive. Like, also, you can sort of, you know, bake it into the cake that he's coming from. A culture where, like, they're warlords. Like, they're going to fuck shit up. That's right. But, yeah, also, I think the the game changes when he unifies everybody and then is like, all right, now I'm going outside of this shit. Yeah. It's like getting your house in order and then going next door and just killing the shit out of your neighbor. <laughs> like, killing the shit out of them, too. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, fucking, like, run over them, chop them up. Like, all sorts of, not just to shoot them. It's got to be something really bad. Like, light them on fire. So, you know, I... Man, I know. I feel like Osama bin Laden, it being in that range because of the time frame, it's tough. Um, man, this one is really tough. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ten point two five. Just off the cuff. Off right. the cuff. I just had to throw a number out there because it's very tough. It is tough. Ten point two five for Mikey. All right, with a nine point six eight from Randy, a ten point seven five from Buddy. And a 10.25 from Mikey. Genghis Khan's final asshole score is a 10.23. All right, 10.23, high, high on our scale. Just above Christopher Columbus at 9.67. Just below Osama bin Laden at 10.6. So there you have it. Final score for Genghis Khan, 10.23. Man, way on up there. Strong. He did kill, like, a lot of people. This is true. (laughs) 
But he, you know, he, he sounds like he births somebody for everyone he killed almost. So yeah, it's probably a one to three ratio, I guess. Yeah, and he definitely poured molten silver down a dude's fucking throat. Yikes! Yeah, multiple God. people, I'm guessing. I bet the smell is. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Animator butt chugged the hot silver. Mm-hmm. That actually didn't happen, but it was. Do you reclaim the silver too? Because it's silver. You absolutely yeah. do. Oh. Yeah, he's like melt that shit down. I also, couldn't you pick something else? Like, just a, not something that's so expensive as silver? Yeah, right. Couldn't it have been just, like, steel or something Iron, like that? Yeah. Iron, yeah. Aluminum. Yeah. Aluminium. 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 Cool. All right, well, I uh, hope you guys learned a lot about butt-chugging molten silver. That's absolutely right. And we always appreciate your support, as always. You will be on the lookout for all you Patreon members for the stickers and swag coming to you soon. We appreciate all of the comments and reviews, like we always talk about from the inbox, that comes from you guys. So hit us up. Give us a review, feedback. We'd love to hear from you, as always. And uh, you never know when your comment could make the show. As always, we want you guys to be kind to one another. And we'll see you next time on Asshole Court. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! (laughs) 